You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Peter Katz. I'm a singer-songwriter, speaker, and facilitator. And I work with companies and organizations of all stripes to help them and their people show up wholeheartedly and work towards creating inspired future visions. Today on the show, we're going to talk about reinvention, how we pass through the eye of the needle, and what is really required to pull you through to that inspiring future vision. We're also going to talk about changing the lens of how we approach our problems from this kind of uninspired lens to this lens of possibility that we never could have even imagined. We're going to talk about breaking the mold of who you thought you were meant to be, which can actually facilitate this even greater expression of who you truly are. And we're going to talk about why music can play a really important and surprising role in all of that. Congratulations! You are tuned into Dolph Barron's Leadership and Loyalty Show, the number one podcast for Fortune 500 executives and those who are dedicated to creating a quantum leap in leadership. Your host, Dolph Barron, he's an executive mentor to leaders like you, a contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine, CEO World, and he's been featured on CNN, Fox, CBS, and many other notable sites. Dov Barron is an international business speaker who was named by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 100 leadership speakers to hire. Now, over to Dov Barron. Welcome, dear friends, fans, and fellow aficionados of Leadership Excellence. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Leadership and Loyalty Podcast. I'm your host, Dov Barron. I'm here to assist you tapping into the one thing in your business that changes everything by transforming meaning into action. Curious to know more? Of course you are. Go to DovBaron.com. That's D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. All right, look, reinvention is one of those terms that is thrown around by most people who don't really get it, not because they have some flaw or something like that. It's simply because until you or I are placed into a situation where our very existence or at least our identity is threatened, every reinvention is pretty much a tweak. When you've seen yourself in a particular way, when you've built your reality around accepting that particular way, and then something seemingly catastrophic happens, you will either transform or you will die. One of the major challenges facing leaders today is what I call normal yearning. Normal yearning. These people yearn for things to go back to normal. Um, <laughs> But they don't realize that that by very by virtue of that, they have, they're in denial of the fact that everything has already changed. So what can you do when your world collapses? Well, that's the vast and intriguing road we're going to go down in the next two episodes. As always, we need your help in staying relevant. So please do us a favor. Go over to wherever it is that you tune into your podcast from and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We really appreciate it. And if you leave us a nice review, maybe we'll do you a live shout out on the show. 
However, if you are a regular listener, big thank you to you for making us the number one podcast globally for Fortune 500 listeners. And we are honored and grateful to be seen, uh, to be cited by Inc.com as the number one podcast to make you a better leader. All right, let's dive in. Our guest for the next two episodes is Peter Katz. He is a Juno Award and Canadian Screen Award nominated singer-songwriter who has shared the stage and studios with artists like Grammy Award winner Glenn Hansen. God, her dyslexia got me for a moment there. With Glenn Hansard, Royal Wood and Bahamas. His music and videos have been streamed almost 40 million times. You may now be thinking, okay, that's all very nice, Dove, but why is a Canadian musician on the Leadership and Loyalty podcast? The answer is our guest completely reinvented himself. Let me explain. Have you ever sat through one of those really boring keynote presentations? I know I have. Like, some of them are cure for insomnia. And then maybe, maybe if you've had done that, maybe you need to bring in Peter Katz because he delivers his fully customized keynote concerts, transformative experiences combining stories and songs from a 15-year international career to organizations such as TD Canada Trust, Sun Life Financial, Johnson & Johnson, Library of Parliament, Newsweek's top pediatric medicals. Uh, yeah, I mean, the sick, sick kids hospital. This guy's really out there doing things in leadership that you would not ever imagine from a, a guy who comes from a musical background and has just recently delivered a uh, peak performance conscious leadership uh, uh, event in Costa Rica. So the guy's really into the leadership space. So ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and help me welcome the man who's speaking clients refer to him as the Thunderbolt to the soul, Peter Gatz. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild, young man. Thank you, bro. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. What a beautiful Good intro. Good to have you here, mate. So Great. where we always like to start, you know, as I said, I'm all about meaning. And I think that oftentimes it's undervalued. We, we, we place meaning in things that are very transitional. And when we really look at it, our life is changed by meaning. It is driven by meaning. What is the origin story of what gives your life meaning? Well, I, I feel like I'm fortunate to have many different moments that are, are particularly meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, connected to this idea of reinvention that we're going to be diving into, I, I feel like I have the origin story of, of my reinvention and also the origin story of, of where my life got extra meaningful. Um, and so, as you mentioned, most of my career as a touring singer songwriter and, um, and, you know, it's most parents don't want their uh, children to uh, become singer songwriters <laughs> for all the obvious reasons. And, and many because of those they reasons. might be living in their basement for the rest of their life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate that, you know, eventually I, I, I did, it did sort you know sort of work out, but um, but there was a period in my life where I was really struggling. I, I'd been I was touring 
constantly. I was playing up to up to you know between 150 and 200 shows a year, wow. and it was very much uh, hand to mouth and sleeping on floors and and you know driving through snowstorms. Canada is very large. Uh, you're often driving like eight hours between shows, and and so it was just a time where I, I was putting everything I had into this 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 passion, this dream. And it just felt like it wasn't um, it wasn't working um, mm. so much so that I, I had this moment where I I collapsed on my kitchen floor and I just I just cried I just cried like I just felt so so frustrated and and disillusioned um, and yet uh, like like Paulo Coelho talks about in The Alchemist you know once your heart has spoken to you you can never unhear it and so I knew that this is what I wanted to do. This is how I wanted to interact with people. Um, but I just, I just couldn't solve the riddle and, and, and the music business was, was just so challenging. Mm -hmm. And so kind of at this, this, this like lowest point in, in my career, I had yet another one of these um, lengthy tours of Canada booked and uh, it started off as one normally did. I think the first show was in, um, Winnipeg and there were about six people there and I had oh, just Jesus. driven for 24 hours to get there. Um, so even with the price of gas back then, it still wasn't enough to, to pay for my trip there. And anyway, so then I'm, I'm booked in this, in this small town in Southern Alberta and, and I'm thinking, okay, here, here, here we go again. Um, but there was a little something that was peculiar about this show in that it was actually booked at this, this gorgeous theater and I was really confused. Uh, and I, I remember having this conversation with my manager. I said, look, who's going to come to this show? I've never even been to this town before. And we're in this, this gorgeous, beautiful theater. I, I just didn't understand. And uh, he said, well, they've paid a guarantee and they're excited you're coming. And at that point in my career, guarantee was, was a, a novel concept. And so I was like, all right, well, what do I have to lose? And anyways, I walk out on stage and the place was packed to the rafters and not just packed to the rafters but with rabid fans who knew all of my songs they 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 were just <laughs> they literally had made homemade signs uh, and i i'm i'm just like utterly confused as to what in the world had transpired in this small town um, and so anyways, after the show, I'm meeting all these people, I'm signing autographs. I, I think I, I sold like 127 albums that night. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, and I, I walked up, you know, to these guys that had organized the show and I, I said, what, like, what, what happened here? Mm -hmm. And they informed me that they run this youth mentoring program. Uh, and it's called Faces, and they take teenagers up into the mountains of Alberta, and they take them hiking and rock climbing and whitewater canoeing. Um, but they don't really care if they get good at those things. It's more about them doing things that challenge them and facing their fears and developing empathy by supporting each other. And this program is actually free for these, these young students. And because it's free, they had to come up with a curriculum in order to, you know, get those, those credits approved. And so they wrote this emotional curriculum. And in order to anchor the themes of that curriculum, they had been using my music. 
Wow. And so all of these, yeah, all of these kids every summer, like hundreds of kids every summer. I mean, one way of looking at it is they were, they were forced uh, to listen to my music, but. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, was, let's go with indoctrination. That's good. <laughs> whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I was like, well, this is a great business model right here. Like, how do we force everybody? And um, any, anyways, they, they, they let me know that my music had been this really meaningful part of their programming. And furthermore, Furthermore, they had actually thought that I would be a perfect fit to work for them. And they had reached out to my management who had said, you know, thank you very much, but Peter's not a camp counselor. So, so, so they organized this show so they could ask me directly and show me what they were doing and, and convince me to come work for them because they were just certain that I would be a good fit. And uh, of course, I said yes. And I went out there that summer and... I, I really didn't exactly know what I was walking into. And I remember, I remember sort of expecting that there was going to be some kind of training or something. Cause I, I wasn't going as Peter, the musician, they, they really wanted me to be, you know, one of the small group leaders with the students. And so I, I remember getting off the, the, the bus and all the students were there and I was like, Oh, I guess we're starting now. <laughs> and like a couple hours later, I was like in a room with my small group that I was now in charge of for the next 12 days. And as sort of, you know, disoriented as I was, I actually kind of took this breath and I realized that everything I had done in my life had actually made me perfectly qualified for this job that I had no idea existed. And that these these skill sets that I had nurtured um, from you know all of my all of my hours on on stage and sort of practicing that that presence to kind of my own childhood and my own my own challenges when I was their age. You know, oftentimes when when we're sort of have our traumas, that then makes us like super qualified to support somebody with theirs as we work through Absolutely. it. And so. Um, also, I had I had grown up going to camp, which had been you know the, this really seminal time for me. So I, I had all of these kind of random experiences that came together in this moment, and I realized I'm, I'm getting goosebumps again, even just telling you about it. That that who I am and what I have to offer was more than than just one lane that was called a concert. And, and that moment was so important because that also laid the foundation for my speaking career. It was actually the guys that, that ran that program who pulled me aside after that first summer. And they said, hey, you know, we're all high school teachers. We've seen how you are with the students. We've seen how you are on stage. You could put those two things together. We have these things called speakers that come to our schools all the time, and we think you could knock it out of the park. And they actually helped me write my first keynote. Um, and so that really became the the start of me kind of taking who I am and what I do and what I thought was only relevant in my music career and making that a much wider vision. And it's only expanded since then. And the beauty of it is... The, all of that dedication that I put into to learning my craft as an artist and a musician is is completely part of the through line of everything that I do. It's it's a deep part of my keynotes. You mentioned I, I just got back from Costa Rica facilitating this conscious, conscious leadership retreat. You know, music was a huge part of that. 
I'm, I'm all, you know, music is, is deeply involved in what I'm doing. Uh, but there's a bit of this, this wider lens and it's not so much about it being a concert. It's more about what is the, what is the emotional heart, uh, the connection, the meaning behind what I'm doing and what are the different ways that I can communicate that. But I think that that's a really beautiful point. Um, so thank you for sharing that and allowing people to understand something that I really want to hit on here is that, you know, in my work uh, privately, you know, often people are at this place that I call an identity crisis or they call an identity crisis and I call it a gift. Um, it feels like hell at times, but it's usually a great gift because it allows you to, not allows, but often facilitates or pushes one to examine the, Nothing, all learning is valuable. No learning is lost, but it mm. is often restricted. So we restrict the learning to a particular thing and we think, oh, you know, I've learned how to do this. So this is my area. And, you know, and I talk a lot about the cult of specialization. Mm. And that oftentimes, of course, that's valuable, but oftentimes we, we deny all the other places that we've got such magnificence. And mm this moment for you, this moment of stepping out onto that stage and suddenly realizing that all those skills that you've learned from connecting with an audience and, and as well as being a musician and providing emotionally connected music becomes like this skill set for, oh, I can help people connect to their emotions and I can connect to an audience, whether that's as a speaker or as a, or as a, um, a musician. Like, I wonder how many times people are sitting back. I know this for the people I work with are sitting back going, I just don't know what else I could do because mm. they're stuck in that narrow lane you talked about, as opposed to saying, where else, what else can this shine? You know, we've all put vinegar on our fish and chips and that's nice, but do you know it can clean windows and do you know it can mm. do this and do you know it can do that? I mean, there's all these multiple uses for a single thing that we think of in a singular way. And you've seemed to have embodied that really beautifully. So talk to us now about, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, what do you feel like you uniquely bring to the leadership space? Mm. You know, as a, as a musician, that that's often difficult. I think it would be, difficult for a lot of leaders to even grasp. Mm. Uh, I just wanted to comment one thing yeah. on, on, on what you just said, and, and then I'll, I'll answer that. You know, part of the, part of the work of being able to see that wider lens for me was also wrestling with, with my, this ego and this identity and this yeah. vision of what I thought it was supposed to look like. And so I just want to, you know, anybody who's listening who might be struggling with that to sort of, uh, you know, gently, gently say that it's, it's painful, right? It's painful to sort of have this one vision and then realize that, oh, it's going to look differently. But as you're willing to do that work, that's where actually new visions can emerge that are maybe even better than your wildest dreams. And yeah, so I fully agree with that. And I want people to actually stop and grasp that. You know, my quote around that is actualization, enlightenment, whatever term one wants to use, is a destructive process. And you've got to know mm -hmm. that. We all mm -hmm. think it's all, oh, it's not. 
it's a destructive process. It has to destroy something that is false in order to reveal something that is real. And so mm -hmm. the false is the confinement and the real is the expansion. So thank you for that. That's, that's a really good understanding. And, and you're, I love the way you put that. And, and, you know, to remember that you're, you're letting go of things <clears throat> that you developed for a reason, right? They, they kept you safe or they they were, they, at one point in your life, they were adaptive and maybe now they're maladaptive or at one point they, they worked with the reality that was in front of you. And now reality has shifted. Um, but, but absolutely. I remember sitting with my mindful mindfulness coach and she said to me, like, make no mistake. Like this work that you're setting out to do here, this is this is painful. Like yes. you're 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 going to be. The invitation is to let go of things that you are utterly convinced are who you are, are the things that are keeping you safe, are the things that are going to get you the things you think you want, and letting go of all of that is is a painful process. So, and as I, you I, listen I, to that, you yeah. might be going, "Oh, okay, I can get that. I can understand that. That's different than experiencing it." <laughs> right you gotta know that so peter's saying it's painful yeah. i'm saying it's painful and you're going oh yeah well i've had enough of this and i can do it when you get into that pain you will want to run back to your yeah. miserable un uh your miserable comfort the comfortably mm -hmm. numb that you were in you will yeah and, and people are running their lives looking for what's better yeah and here's what i want you to get Life goes like this. It's shitty, and you want to do something about it. So you do something about it, and it gets better. And then if you keep going, it gets much better. And then it gets much worse. <laughs> and then it gets much different. Yeah. That's the, that's the process. I just walked you through the entire hero's journey process. It gets painful. You move to do something. You get help. You get a guide. It gets better, and you're like, oh, that's, I'm so glad I did this. Then it gets much better. You're like, oh, my God, I'm seeing the vision now. And then it gets much worse because now you hit a new level of struggle because you're going to let go of all the identity pieces you had. you know, let mm -hmm. those go. And when you let those go, oh, my God, that is terrifying. And then it becomes different, entirely different. And there's no – it's like, oh, the primary is now at best secondary. And the thing I never thought of is now primary. My mm -hmm. goodness. Yeah. That's you nailed it. That is that is completely accurate. And uh and again, uh you know, offer the the, the gentleness to people as they go through it because it it's a process and and um or as my I, I say process, my American friends keep correcting me and saying process, process but whatever it's process. A process. <laughs> it's a process, but whatever it I'm is with you. <laughs> process or process, it's uh take it slow and um and go go you know be be gentle with yourself as you go through it um because deep breaths um will be required so let, let's go back to the question which is yeah what is it you're uniquely bringing to leadership because mm -hmm. it seems obscure yeah and it's that's a great question and and certainly trying to answer that question has been one of the the challenges of my of my some of my transition um you know I, I just was running this conscious leadership retreat and i had a you know very successful ceo <laughs> say to me he's like i don't understand he's like i'm getting all this value working with you but i don't understand 
where this came from and you're you're on the road and you're a musician and now you're 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 coaching me I, he's like he's like i'm i'm loving this and i don't understand he's like where did you learn this how did like where did you where did you get this so um something that that emerges for me and and by the way i i'm i'm on the path with everybody else i'm i'm always learning and um but i you know i'm the kind of person is is if i don't have the answer i will i will seek it out so um but the the thing that i've noticed especially now right i would say pre pandemic there was there was there was a more active battle that i had to fight around this idea that if you want to have uh, you know, a cohesive culture and, you know, productive employees. And, you know, like you have to sort of think about their hearts and their lives. And, and there's this other dimension beyond kind of Q1 profits. And I, I had to sort of kind of fight for that. And, and, you know, people would experience it and they'd be like, okay, this is great. But when the pandemic hit, all of a sudden people were dying for that. And they, they would, they would come to me and I do my client calls and they would say like, you know, people like we just want them to feel appreciated. They're they're leaving. Um, they're they're burnt out. They're stressed. They're you know. I used to just have to worry about you know the Q1 profits. Now I have to worry about their mental health or the mental health of their teenagers. It's like what 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 can I do? And so that's where all of a sudden this this work that I do became really relevant. And I want to say that I, I'm not approaching this from a from a sort of kumbaya place of 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 like okay everybody we're 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 just going to like do yoga and then everything's going to be better uh, i'm actually kind of approaching it from from the neuroscience which shows us that if we actually want to do our greatest learning our greatest innovation and be the most creative then before we do our strategy session or before we do any of that stuff with our heads the neuroscience you know, screams it loud and clear that we're going to do our best work if we invite not just our heads, but also our hearts. Absolutely. And we're going to have our, our cortisol levels are going to drop. Our stress response is going to drop. We're going to be more able to, to get into that creative space, to get into flow. And then the question becomes, well, how do we do that? How do we get into that state? And again, the, it's not that complicated. And and you you see the rise of things like mindfulness and breath work, and you know all of these these practices. Those are some of the practices that you use to to kind of invite your whole self. Even just something as simple as looking somebody in the eyes, and before you say, "Hey, did you get this done?" Saying, "Hey." How was your weekend? How are your kids? Knowing something about those people. And what I was very excited to discover is one of the most effective ways to actually invite our whole selves is through music. Mm. Music, we actually process music in our amygdala, which is our feeling factory. It's the same place that we process our feelings. And we all kind of know this intuitively, right? You you put a song on and all of a sudden you're transported back to a time in your life or the first dance at a wedding or you walk into a space and there's a song playing and you immediately have this physiological shift. You have this reaction. You feel an openness. I, again, just talking about it, I get goosebumps. Like music is this, this powerful thing. And so I'm using music. I mean, the keynote is not only music, but I'm using music as a way in to sort of, you know, immediately off, off the top of the keynote to create this sort of like pattern interrupt of, oh, hang on a second. Like we're actually going to 
going to drop in and 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 kind of be a little more open and receptive. And then maybe I've shared a story or a key learning, and then we're going to have three minutes where I'm playing a song to kind of anchor in that learning, or I'm playing a music, uh, you know, musical piece to to create a moment for reflection or or deeper thinking or an active learning cycle, whatever that might be. So music is actually one of the most effective ways to to invite our whole selves. And I think what we're seeing right now in, 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 in the world is the organizations that are thriving are the organizations that are actually thinking about their people and thinking about, okay, what does this, what does this human being need? Because the reality is, is they can go in sales anywhere else, or they can, they can do other jobs or they can go to their side hustle, or there's like, they don't need to work for you anymore. There's other places that they can go. And so why are they going to stay with you? They're going to stay with you because they feel like, Hey, I, I belong here. I can be myself here. And Hey, I belong to an organization that that has a, like, that has a larger purpose that, that cares about the people that are part of it. So that's why I think that's the, the angle that I, I bring into leadership. And, and if we go really granular on it, like this, this conscious leadership retreat that I was just running, uh, one of the key, key principles is that if you want to have that kind of an organization, you have to live that like you as the leader have to embody that so you as the leader actually have to go through the eye of the needle yourself and you can't just say like oh hey everyone uh you know here's a headspace uh subscription uh, go be more mindful like you actually have to go through the eye of the needle yourself people have to see you change and then be curious about what it is that you're doing and notice that change in you and then be inspired to to maybe do that themselves so yeah, I believe that's, that leadership yeah, is yeah. in many ways parenting. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if I want to be a good parent, I have to demonstrate the 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 things I want. Mm -hmm. I have to be the behavior I want to see in the world. And as a leader, I have to do that. So I can't talk about you being mindful or being emotionally intelligent or being anything. Mm -hmm. If I'm not willing to step into it first and demonstrate to you that, look, you can see that I'm doing this and mm -hmm. I want you to know that it wasn't particularly comfortable for me either, but I'm mm -hmm. doing it because it works. I'm mm -hmm. doing it because it's made me a better human being, yeah. right? Because most of what we do, and just to be clear for everybody, most of what we do works. Now, let me just mm -hmm. pause there for a second because I want you to get that. Everything you're already doing, even if it's shitty, it works. Now, mm -hmm. now we have to define works. It means it eases some pain inside of you. It, it backs off some tension by doing this thing. You do the line of Coke because it works. It picks mm -hmm. you up. It makes you perky. You smoke the joint because it chills you out because you're a bit overstressed. You drink the extra drink because you're trying to come down or whatever it might be. All these things work. It doesn't mean they're healthy. Working yeah. and healthy are vastly different. Um, mm. But when you do things that are making you better as a human being, that's vastly different. So mm -hmm. what you're doing does work. It has allowed you to survive, um, but it may not allow you to thrive. And that's a vastly different question. And that's, I feel like so much of what you're doing in this work is about bringing people 
out of what quote works, i.e., mm-hmm. we pay our people extra dollars, but to what actually makes them better as human beings. And that's what's really important. Peter, we're already at the end of part one of the show. So um, we're going to be back in part two, of course, and we're back in one click with that. But before we get to that, I'd love for you to tell people where they can find out more about you and about all the wonderful resources that you offer so that people can reach out and get in touch with you. Yeah, I mean, the best best place for, for this work that I do is petercatspeaks.com. And of course, that's K-A-T-Z, as we say in Canada, or K-A-T-Z, as uh, others say around the world. So petercatspeaks.com. I, I do have petercats.com as well. That's more just focused on on my music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, I'm on uh, social media and all those places at petercatsmusic. And of course, we will make sure that we put all of those links into the show notes. So if for some reason you didn't catch it, don't worry. It'll just go to the show notes. But it is cats. K-A-T-Z, K-A-T-Z, depending on mm-hmm. whether you speak English or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll make sure it's in the show notes. We're going to be back in just one click. Till then, stay curious, my friends. Stay curious about the skills, the abilities, the talents that you've learned and how you've got them in a box that may be bringing you success. But if you break the box... Maybe it'll bring you fulfillment and meaning. We'll be back in just one click. Stay curious, my friends. Stay curious. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.